I'd like to look at the book of Titus. It's uh, three small chapters, and it gives really good instruction. The, the book is just full, especially chapter 1 and chapter 2, of great instruction for every age group and every class. And it can be very beneficial for each of us here. Paul is writing this letter to Titus, and he's giving him sort of a charge. He's giving him some encouragement in his ministry. There were specifically two men that the Apostle Paul refers to a lot. And backing up a little bit, you can see the letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, and then he writes another epistle to Titus. And these two were young men that were ministers of the gospel, that were fellow laborers with the Apostle Paul in the ministry. And Paul is uh, addressing them and encouraging them as they go out to proclaim the word of God. And he gives them both, uh, both admonition and he gives them both warning and he gives them encouragement. And then he tells them to go and use that to encourage other people. So it's really a, a, a special letter that Paul writes to Titus and the two letters that he writes to Timothy. And you would be blessed in reading the two letters to Timothy and the one to Titus. In starting out in Titus chapter 1, and we'll go through the three chapters, uh, time permitting, we'll try to cover all three chapters, especially chapter 2. Chapter 1 starts out, and it says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Remember, he's writing this to Titus to then encourage Titus to use the ministry and the calling that God has blessed him with to help other people. He says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. He says, in hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through the preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God, our Savior. He says, God has uh, called me to share his precious truths with other people. And he says, Titus, God has called you to that as well. He says, This is given to you, committed unto you, of God. We are taught and we are instructed that when we're needing ministers, when we're needing preachers, we don't go out and try to create them ourselves, but we talk to the Lord about it. Mm -hmm. And we're instructed that when the fields are white unto harvest and when the laborers are few, that the one that we're to talk to about Calling ministers is the Lord. And so Paul is saying right here, he says, Titus, the calling that I have, if I have a calling, it's of God. And he says that if you have a calling, it's of God as well. And he says, now I want you to take that calling and I want you to use it to the full benefit of the Lord's people and to the glory and honor of the Lord. And he says right here to Titus, mine own son after the common faith. Now, Titus was not his natural son, but he was his son in the Lord, his son in Christ. And Paul was his father in the ministry. 
Elder George Johnson was my pastor in Lubbock, Texas. He's now with the Lord, went home to be with the Lord at a young age, 64 years of age. But Brother Mike and I were laboring with Brother George, under Brother George, and he would call us his boys. Now, we weren't his natural boys, but we were his boys in the Lord and in the Lord's church. And we looked to him as our father in the ministry. When we had a problem, when we had a question, when we had a struggle, we would go to Brother George and we would talk to Brother George. God has blessed me uh, immensely to have specifically three fathers in the ministry. And when I look, they're, they're all with the Lord now. I miss them a whole lot. They were a great blessing to be able to counsel with and consult with. And Paul was saying, I have Timothy and I have Titus. And he says, they're a great blessing to me. And I had Brother Afton Richards uh, for a short time. Wonderful brother in Christ. Strong in the doctrine. Strong in the practice. Strong in the faith. And strong in peace in the church of the Lord's people. We had Brother Compton, who was a wonderful, wonderful example. Even up to past 100 years of age of how you serve the Lord faithfully all the way to the end. And then Brother George Johnson. So Paul is saying, Titus, uh, you're just like a son to me. And he said that about Timothy as well. And he says, mine own son after the common faith, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. He says, Titus, I can't be there in Crete, but I'm leaving you in Crete that you can help the Cretans here that thou should have set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I've appointed thee. Paul is saying to Titus, he says, I'm leaving you here. You've been instructed. You've been taught. You've been educated about encouraging the Lord's people. And he says, I want you to look out among them to see the needs, to determine the needs and to help the Lord's people. And he says, by the way, while you're there, If the Lord blesses, I want you to ordain some ministers as well while you're there. Had the blessing of being with Elder Harder in the Philippines. It was a a wonderful experience. And while we were there, there were six ministers that were ordained in the gospel. And they were questioned and they were charged. And God blessed in a mighty way to recognize the calling of six able men there. That's the most I've ever witnessed at one time. But it was a great, great blessing. And then he says right here, he says, uh, and he gives the, uh, this is not the only qualifications, but these are some of the qualifications of the ministry. I used to have on uh, an old VHS uh, tape, uh, probably some of the young folks don't know what that actually is, but most of you probably do that are here, uh, that you'd play in a VCR. I had a recording of the charge that Elder Harder had given me when I was ordained. And so Brother Mike and I, uh, uh, oftentimes on the anniversary of our ordination, we would pull out that VCR tape and we would listen to that charge again. And we would learn something every time that we were recharged. Well, Paul right here is charging Titus. And every time that we look at this, we realize that we're recharged as well. And he gives some some qualifications, some perimeters for those that are in the ministry. He says right here, If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, 
not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre. When I look at that and I see my own shortcomings, it says not soon angry. As soon as I get, uh, as soon as somebody hits my hot button and I get angry, I remember this verse right here and I'm convicted by it right here. He says, not given to wine, not a striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate. Holding fast the faithful word as it has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine to both exhort and to convince the gainsayers. And Paul comes down and he says, you're going to need this because there's some folks that are uh, with this body of believers at Crete that are they're off course. And you're going to be able to take the truths that God's given you to encourage them and direct them. In the right way. I don't believe that we ever in this life reach, not any of us, as a church family, as individuals, that we ever fully reach a state of perfection here in this life. I believe that all of us, individually and as a group, that we're a work in progress. And I believe that we'll continue to be a work in progress until the Lord takes us home. Hopefully, We've learned a few things. Sometimes we learn a few things by experience. Sometimes we learn a few things because we do the wrong thing and we learn not to do that again. But sometimes God enlightens us out of his word or through the preached word or through the fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we should have a, a bit more knowledge through the experience that we've had. And through our relationship with Christ, we should be growing in the Lord, but we're not likely to reach a state of perfection here in this life. We seek to serve the Lord. We seek to have a closer fellowship and a closer walk with the Lord. But oftentimes, the more uh, the closer fellowship that we have with the Lord, the more we see our own shortcomings. It's amazing how that we can look around and we can see the shortcomings of other folks. But we are blind when it comes to our own shortcomings. Preacher told me one time, he said, you remember that when you're pointing fingers at others, you've got at least three fingers pointing at your own self when you're doing that. He says right here, Timothy, I mean, Titus, you've got uh, some things to look for when you're ordaining other folks. And here's some things. And he also gives an account in the book of Timothy as well in first and second Timothy about some of the requirements in looking for ordaining other ministers. And then he says right here, he says, there's some, some folks that are among these folks that you're going to be ministering to. And then he describes them right here. He says, I want you to hold fast to the, the word that you've been taught. And he told Timothy the same thing. He said, Timothy, you've been taught this by your mother and your grandmother. You've been taught by some faithful folks. And he says, I see the faith that they had and I see that in you as well. And he says, I want you to take what you've been given and encourage other folks. And here's where Paul directs Titus in this. He says, there are 
many that are unruly and vain talkers. And there's deceivers, especially they of the circumcision of the Jews. He says, whose mouths must be stopped, who who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. He's saying there's some folks that are teaching things that they ought not to teach. And they're teaching them for the wrong reason. They're teaching the wrong thing for the wrong reason. And he said, you're called to teach the truth. You're not to teach it for filthy lucre's sake, but you're to teach it for the glory of God and to the benefit of the Lord's people. He says, one of them, one of their own selves, even a prophet of their own said, the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts and slow bellies. That's an unusual uh, unusual term. You look that up, a slow belly. I mean, how would you like to be described as a slow belly? Uh, John Gill says that that is referred to in, as slow bellies because they uh, were given to uh, gluttony, that they were given to uh, uh, overindulgence, and that they were given to uh, excessive amounts of food and drink. He says, this, this witness is true, wherefore rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith. And he says, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men and turn from the truth. Unto the pure, all things that are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving, there is nothing pure, but even their mind and their conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient, Unto every good work, reprobate or lacking or void of judgment. And he says, you're going to be taking the truth and you're going to be sharing it with people to help make a difference in the lives. They've been influenced by ungodly. They've been influenced of folks that were of the wrong motivation And he says, you're going to have the blessing and the privilege of taking the truth and trying to encourage the Lord's people. But he also comes down. And then he addresses Titus and encouraging the Lord's people that they themselves are influences as well. That their life can be a witness and an encouragement to other people. And that's talking to every one of us right here. It is in chapter two. Chapter one says, Titus, you're going to an area that there's a whole lot of need. You're going to an area that folks are confused. You're going to an area of folks that are going the wrong way. And he says, you take the truth that you've been taught, that you understand, and you share it with people to try to help them. But then he comes down in chapter two and he says that folks in chapter one, it looks like in his encouragement can be taught by sharing the principles of the truth. In chapter two, it says that lives can be changed through the example that we give to other people. Hope you listen to Brother Bradley this morning. It's really, really good, real good. And maybe you can pick it up today. Uh, What a a great blessing the message was. Brother Bradley brings messages that are helpful to people in their practical daily lives. 
And that's what Paul is telling Titus right here. He says, I want you to bring the truth to them, but I also want you to encourage them to live righteous and godly so that they then can be an example and make a difference in the lives of others. And so here he comes down and he talks about four different age groups. And so probably all of us will fall in one of these four categories. I'll let you determine which one you fall in here. But he addresses four different age groups. He first of all starts with the aged men. I'm not sure exactly how old that starts at. But he talks about the young men or the aged men. So you fall in either one or the other category here. And he says, Titus, I want you to I want you to encourage and look for men that can be ordained to teach the gospel and share the gospel. But he says, when you get to these folks, I want you to take the principles that you've been taught and I want you to help them in their individual lives to make a difference and to fulfill the calling that each one of them have been given. And he says right here, the first thing he says, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. That's the truth of Jesus Christ. That's the truth about who Christ is, about the power of Christ, about the sovereignty of God, that God is in charge and God is in control and that God saved us by his blood, eternally speaking. And he's telling us right here that the truth that we have should carry forward and make a difference in our life, not just to be hearers of the word but to be doers of the word. And so he breaks it down and he says, here's four categories right here of individuals. And we are to take what we've been taught and we are to apply them and fulfill our calling in each of these four categories. He says, first of all, you speak the truth to them. You speak sound doctrine to them. And he says that the aged men may be sober, grave, temperate, sound in the faith, in charity, and in patience. Now that's interesting right there. When we get older, a lot of times we have a tendency to talk about everything but the Lord. We have a tendency to talk about our ailments, don't we? Just sit around some old folks sometime. That's a that's a, a a priority of topics about all the things that don't work about us. In fact, Brother Charles and I were talking about that this morning as you came in the foyer this morning. I'm, I was so impressed that he wasn't wearing glasses at that time. And he said, well, can't you see without glasses? I said, I can't even tell time without glasses. Well, we should have been talking about the Lord. But here we're talking about the ailments. Our, our mind could travel to the politics. The, 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 the political climate of the day in which we live or uh, a whole host of things, our disappointments or our accomplishments. But Paul says, when you reach the category of aged men, he says you're to be sober. That means to be serious minded right here. 
what happens when we're not sober? When we're not sober? I mean, even from a standpoint of physically speaking. Our mind is not clear. Our judgment is not clear. It's not spot on. What Paul is saying right here is, Titus, I want you to be spot on. And I want you to encourage the old men, the aged men, that they have a really special role to fill. And that they have an opportunity to make a difference and encourage other people. The young men, the young women, and the older women. They have a wonderful opportunity to be an encouragement to other people. And here's how they do it. He says right here that they're to be sober, that they're to be great, that they're to be temperate, that they're to be sound in the faith, you know, temperate. They're to be they're to be satisfied. They're not to be extreme. Uh, my, my grandfather used to say, and he lived to be 92 years old. He he would say he'd say, Stephen, ju- just be sensible, just be sensible in what you do. He said right here, be grave, be temperate, be sound in the faith. And in charity, and this is one that, uh, this one sometimes we have to work on. He says, be sound in the faith and in charity and in patience. Now, let me ask you something, and this will help you to be sound in patience or to be active in patience. Aren't you glad? That the Lord has been patient with you. He's a great example of how we ought to deal with other folks. Because the way the Lord has dealt with us. Lord's been mighty patient with us. Let me ask you, how many times have you gone back before to the Lord and asked him for the same request more than one time? Do you know he delights to hear our prayers? He does. Patience for an older brother in Christ is a virtue. It is. All right, it says, here's some good examples for older men. A special, special role to fill with the Lord's people. And he says, likewise, he says, the aged women, likewise. Now, I'll let... You sisters, we may not even have any aged women here today. Maybe this is a category we haven't. Even Sister Virgie shaking her head on that. So, But when you become an aged woman, here is some things for you to consider. That the aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Not false accusers. Uh, it becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, and teachers of good things. He says one of the great blessings that an older sister can be is her example to the younger sisters. And Timothy, this addresses it as well. He says that the aged women, that they be likewise in behavior as becometh Holiness. What's that mean? It means that you're you're thinking about and you're talking about things above. You're thinking about the Lord. You're talking about the Lord. 
You're not given to watching soap operas all week long, getting worked up on that and letting that influence your life. But you're reading God's word. I, 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 one, of the, one of the special treasures that I have is my grandmother's Bible. And what makes it really, really special for me is that I can go through and read her Bible. And she, with a probably a number two pencil, would underline things with a shaky hand. Sometimes if it was really important, she'd underline it in red ink with a big pen. I don't even know if they make big pens anymore, but uh, she would highlight and underline. And when I'm reading her Bible, it's almost as if I can understand what she was thinking about as she was reading it because of those special little notes that are in there. She didn't have it all figured out. But she knew where to look for the answer. Sometimes we would have questions as children. And she was very, very wise. But oftentimes, rather than answer us with an answer that she had, especially if she wasn't sure about it, she'd say, well, let's see what the Bible says about it. Now, I don't know about you all, but I went through a phase back in the 70s, way back in the 70s, that I wanted long hair. Can you imagine me with long hair? I mean, I don't even hardly have enough hair to cover the top of my head, much less long hair. And I remember my grandmother took the Bible and she went to a verse. And I thought, why in the world would the Bible say anything about long hair for men? I mean... But I never forgot that that was my grandmother's approach to me for what I wanted. Point being, it's a great blessing when an older sister can go to the Bible, whatever the question is. It could be about disciplining children. You know, I was surprised when I found out that the Bible gives the format not only for raising children, but for disciplining children. It really does. And I tell you, you can go to Burger King or McDonald's and you can see folks that embrace that and folks that don't. It's a blessing when folks look to the Bible and use it as a guide. And what he's saying right here is that the older women can take the Bible and they can instruct the younger women, the younger men in the ways of the Lord. When the younger women are wanting to know how to be a godly wife when they're wanting to know how to be a godly mother rather than use an opinion or say this is based on an experience of mine they can go to the bible and say this is what the word of god has to say about it and i've tried it both ways and it works far better when i do it god's way since God is the one that created us and God knows all about us and God's way always works. It's the, the older sisters can say, you know, I, I've tried it. I, I, I've missed the mark. I've messed up. But when I did it God's way, it worked out far better. And that's what he's saying right here is that the older sisters have a special role of being able to say by their example and by their walk. I encourage you to do it God's way. And I encourage you to do it. And their example should support that as well. Do you know, anytime 
we begin to think that we are the exception to God's rule, we're missing the mark. We think, well, I, you know, I know that's what the Bible says, but I'm the exception to that. God's rule covers it all. It does. And it covers it through all ages. It does. God's rule that was just as applicable back in uh, our grandfather's time and our great grandfather's time is it's not out of date in the day in which we live. In fact, if there was ever a time that we needed to lean on the word of God, it's right now. Did you know that it sort of stands out right now when the times get dark, when the seasons become dark, the light of God's word and the light of Jesus Christ will shine forth and it shines forth through you. It does through your life, through your example. Well, he comes on down and he says, aged women, you have a wonderful, wonderful role to fill right here. I, I think of Sister Helen Beecham. What a wonderful example. Brother Mark, Sister Chrissy knew her. She was a great example. She said, I want to finish my course. course, God gave her about 95, 97 years. She said, I want to finish my course honoring the Lord. She not only lived a life of honoring the Lord, but she finished her course in that way as well. He says the older women have a special role to teach the young women. And here's what they teach them. That the older women would teach the young women to be sober, to be diligent, to be vigilant, to be serious minded. And he says, and here's how here's something you teach the young women. That the older women teach the young women Now, if they're going to if they're going to figure this out, if they're going to learn it, here's a really good example of where they're going to learn it. He says that the older women would teach the young women to be sober. And he says, and to love their husbands and to love their children. Do you know, in order to do that, you need to be setting that example. You need to love your children. I've heard it said, be careful about how you take care of your parents because your children are watching. You know, Brother Mark, Brother Charles, y'all did a wonderful job caring for Sister Laura. And all that time, and Sister Chrissy, your children are watching. They're going to know exactly how to do it when the time comes. So what he's saying right here, you're teaching by example. He says right here, you teach them. This is one of the primary roles of older women by their example to teach their children, their daughters, their sons, the daughters, how to love their husbands and how to love their children. And they do that by the example. He says, You teach the younger women to be discreet. You teach them to be chaste, holy. You teach them to be keepers at home. You teach them to be good and obedient to their husbands. That the word of God be not blasphemed. So he says, the place for the younger women to learn how to treat their husbands and their children 
is from the older women. Now, I believe that this is a great blessing in the church of Jesus Christ. You might look at your life and you might say, I didn't have that role model in my mother. Or I didn't have that role model in my father. But I tell you, one of the great blessings in the church of Jesus Christ is that the Lord gives us a whole bunch of fathers and mothers in his church. You can look out among you and you can see those that were. I'll tell you, Brother and Sister Farrington, you want to know how to have 60 plus years of good marriage? That's a great example right there for you. You can look out among you. You may say, I didn't have the blessing. Maybe you did. Maybe you, maybe you had a godly father and a godly mother. Remember when Sister Lowry passed away and was her in the casket up here in the front? She had three sons, uh, Gerald Lowry, Elvie Lowry, Elder Lowry, and, and Freddie. And all three boys were standing there in front of her casket. And they said, you know, one of the greatest blessings that we have is that God blessed us in our life with a godly mother. At the end of the journey, when it's said and done, when it's all over with, if you've been blessed with a godly mother, a godly father, you've been mighty blessed. You may say, I didn't have that. For whatever reason, there, there's not any perfect parents. But you can sure look out among you and find folks that will encourage you and be an example for you. You may not have children, but your example of a godly sister can influence the other young sisters that are in the church, like Catherine, and Elsa and the young sisters Ellen and others if you've been blessed with godly parents what a great blessing that is he says the older women they've got a this is this is a full time 24/7 job to teach the younger women how to love their husbands and how to love their children Here's what he says. To be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, obedient to their husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. He said young men. So he's covered four categories right here. This is the fourth. Young men, young men likewise, be, uh, likewise exhort to be sober-minded. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. Did you know that there are some scriptures in the Bible that are not for everybody. There are. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1. says, remember thy creator in the days of thy youth. That's to the young folks. It says before, and he describes it. He says, before the evil days draw nigh. That's the rest of us, the old folks. The evil days are when... When your body begins to fail and it begins to fall apart. And that's how it's described as the evil days. 
And then he breaks it down just a little bit more about the evil days. He says, your eyes don't work just right. Your ears, you can't hear what's going on around you. He says, your hands shake. Your teeth become few. Uh, He says, your vision is dim. And he says, a little bitty step seems like a, a mountain to you. And he says, that's the description of the evil days. My granddad was 90 years old and we went to church and Elder Harder preached on that, uh, that chapter. My granddad said, I felt pretty good until I went to church. And he described the evil days. Granddad could relate to too much of it. Well, here he says, and this is for the young folks. He says, young men, you are to exhort to be serious-minded, sober-minded. In all good things. Things In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. He's saying that one of the greatest blessings that you can be is a good example. He says, and I remember what what brother uh, uh, Truman Stubblefield, he's now with the Lord. I'm getting to where I know more folks that are with the Lord than I do that are still here. But I've been blessed to know all those folks. But he said, he said, uh, he was talking to uh, Michael Todd Cook and he said, young man, as, as he was going into the service, he says, remember this one thing. He says, it takes a lot bigger man to say no than it does to say yes. And that's what he's saying right here. He says, young men, you have a great opportunity to be a good example, to be able to be a good example to your friends and your, your siblings and the folks that are around you. You can be a great blessing in the example that you are. And he says, young men, be sober minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works in the doctrine, showing uncorruptness, uh, gravity and sincerity. He says sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he may be of the contrary part, may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. He says, be such a great example that others that it will be an encouragement to other folks. As Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1. Now, every one of us here can attest that we missed the mark. Anybody have any regrets? I guess I'm the only one that does. If you could live life over, wouldn't you do a couple of things different? Probably a whole lot. That's right. A whole lot different. You know what? We can't go back and change our life in the past, but we sure can going forward. We certainly can. What a blessing to know that God might use us in some small way to be an encouragement to others. He says, then he says, those of us that are servants, he says, be obedient to their masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, which is stealing, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior in all things. For the grace of God, which bringeth salvation, hath appeared to all men, teaching us and denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He he just sort of he plugs in the doctrine right here. He says, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and that he might purify us unto himself, a peculiar people, zealous of good works. He says, these are the things that you speak 
and you exhort and you rebuke with all authority. And he says, let no man despise thee to Timothy. He said, let no man despise thy youth. What he's saying right here is that by our life, even though people may not understand all the details of it, they may not understand all about the doctrine. They may not understand all there is about Christ. But by our life, they can at least recognize that there is a difference. Now look at the difference that Christ makes in our life. Let's look at chapter 3. I want to go down to verse 3 and we'll sum it up. From what I take, this is all of us right here. For we ourselves, that's all of us. Doesn't start off real good, but it sure ends up good. It's amazing. Brother Harder said the other day, he said, you know, I like the old minor songs. He said, I'm facing heart surgery and probably a minor is not what I need to hear right now. I need something a little more upbeat. Do you know, we like the minor songs because they have a message. They remind us about who we are. And whether we outwardly acknowledge it or not, we oftentimes know that it's talking about us. I am a stranger here below and what I am is hard to know. I am so vile, so prone to sin. I fear that I'm not born again. I can relate to that songwriter. Because he's talking about his experience. And oftentimes our experience mirrors theirs. Now here's where our experience mirrors the Apostle Paul. He said, for we ourselves were sometimes foolish. Some of us, maybe not only in the past were foolish, but sometimes we still are. He says, we ourselves were also, sometimes we were foolish, we were disobedient, we were deceived. We were serving divers' lust and pleasures, we were living in malice and envy, we were hateful and hating one another. When I first Begin to understand the doctrines of grace. Elder Jack Johnson said, you need to memorize this right here because it states your case. He says, for we ourselves were sometimes foolish. We were disobedient. We were deceived. We were serving divers, lust and pleasures. We were living in malice and envy. We were hateful and hating one another. He describes our condition in the flesh in depravity. He describes our condition aside from God and without grace. He describes our condition in the natural man. And this would describe how we are. He says, we ourselves were also foolish. We were disobedient. We were deceived. We were serving divers' lust and pleasures. We were living in malice and envy. We were hateful and hating one another. He says, this was the condition that we're in. 
And aside from God and aside from his grace and aside from his power, this is the condition that we would continue in. This is the condition that we would stay in. But he says right here, he says we were hateful and hating one another. But he says, but after that, not when we changed, but while we were in that condition, he says, but after that, the kindness and love of God, our savior toward man appeared while we're in that condition, living away from God, away from Christ. He reaches us by his spirit. He plants his spirit within us. He causes us to be his child. He says unto us, live from a spiritual standpoint and we live. We may still have some foolish thoughts. We may still sometimes be disobedient to parents. We may still say things that are hurtful, but it will bother us from this point on. It'll make a difference because there's a difference in our life. There's a struggle within that natural man and that spiritual man that wars back and forth. There is a difference without God. We can do it and we have no remorse with God. If we do it, we have great remorse. Brother Sonny Powell said, he said, I may not be able to keep you from sinning, but he says, I hope I can keep you from enjoying sin when you do it. It's not going to keep us from sinning all the time, but it does keep us from enjoying sin the same way. It makes a difference in our life. And Paul is saying right here, he says, every one of us, he says, you remember Titus, you remember Timothy, that when you're sharing the word and you're sharing the gospel with others, that you were there right there with them as well. And that the only difference in you and and the ones you're speaking to is that you've experienced the grace of God. And the only way that they're going to have a hearing ear is if they've experienced God's grace as well. He says, I love this. This is so rich right here. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man appeared. Now, that could be in a general sense when Jesus Christ died upon the cross of Calvary and remembered his family, his people. But I believe that it applies to us in an individual sense. Some folks can remember the very day, the very minute, the very moment that Christ made a difference in their life. Brother Larry Davis will tell you, he said, I can take you to the very step I was standing on going down to the basement. When the Lord touched my life. Sometimes the Lord speaks to us in a still small voice. Sometimes he may speak to us in our youth before we're able even to express it. But what he's saying right here is that by God's grace, there's a difference in our life. And he says, after the kindness and love of God, our savior toward man appeared, he says, and it's not by works of righteousness, which we've done. Paul is telling Titus, he says, you remember Titus, you have you belong suffering to these people that you're talking to. You share with them the good news about the grace of God. And you remember, Titus, that it's not because of your works of righteousness. It's not because of their works of righteousness, but it's because of God's abundant mercy that he shed upon you. He says, I love this. He says, but after the kindness and love of God, our Savior, this describes the long suffering of Christ, does it not? 
Christ could have been judgmental on each one of us. But Christ looks down upon us with long suffering. Christ knows our needs. As we looked at a couple of weeks ago, not only does he know our needs even before we ask, but Christ cares. And here he's saying right here, he says, after the kindness and love of God, our, uh, our Savior toward man appeared. And he says, by the way, just remember right here, it's not by works of righteousness that we've done, but it's according to his mercy that he saved us. He says, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, he says, it's by the spirit of almighty God that you have a hope in Christ. It's not because we're so good. We're so worthy. We're so clean. It's because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And he says, I put that spirit in your heart. And I tell you what, when he puts that spirit in your heart, it makes you excited. It makes you rejoice. It makes you have a hope in heaven. It makes you have a a hope and belief that, you know what? I believe he died for me. If you love the Lord Jesus Christ... I have a good idea that you all do. You wouldn't be here. You'd probably be out on the jet skis or fishing. or Not to say that everybody's fishing doesn't love the Lord. But I'm just saying you'd find other things to occupy your time. But being here is a really good evidence that you love the Lord. But if you love the Lord, Catherine knew this when she was four years old and asked for a home in the church. She said, I know I've been, when we were talking about baptism, I said, why do you want to be baptized? She said, I love the Lord. But she says, he's been loving me for a lot longer than that. If you love the Lord, it's because he loved you first. Sometimes we get the cart before the horse. There was a young man in uh, Rawls, Texas, little town of Rawls, Texas, about 1,500 people. Folks in the town thought he was a little bit slow in his thinking, in his processing. And he pulled, one of his things was he pulled a chain around town everywhere he went. Little chain. And some and folks thought he was just a little bit slow. Somebody asked him one time, says, why is it you pull that chain everywhere you go? He said, have you ever tried to push a chain? (laughs) He wasn't near as slow as folks thought he was. Sometimes we get the cart before the horse. We think that we have to fix ourselves up, dress ourselves up, become lovable before the Lord. No. He loves us while we're sinners. And He touches us by His grace. And then if we bear any good works, we have to turn around and give Him the glory for it. Because He's the one that put it in our heart. He's the one that gives us the desire and the ability. If you love God, it's because He loved you first. And that's what Paul is saying right here. He says he saved us by the washing of regeneration, the renewing of the Holy Ghost, and he said he shed it on us abundantly.
through Christ Jesus our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You are an heir of Christ. We're, we're taught in Isaiah, I love this, Isaiah chapter 40, he says, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. He says, share this wonderful message of comfort. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem. And he says, you've got a wonderful message to tell. You cry unto Jerusalem that her warfare, the battle, the struggle in their life is accomplished. The battle with sin, the battle with Satan, the battle with despair. The battle with thinking that we're going to lose out in heaven. He says, and I love this right here. He says, and you cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. It's accomplished through Christ. And that her iniquity is pardoned. That's good news for all of us right here. If there's anybody here that, that feels like you're burdened with iniquity, with your own iniquity. Not with the iniquity of others, but with your own iniquity. If you feel burdened down with uh, your iniquity. He's basically saying, if your iniquity bothers you, if your iniquity discourages you here in this life. He says, here's some good news that your iniquity is pardoned. And he says, and I love this right here, and that she, that's you and I, hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now that's good news. Doesn't just say that he paid the price and he paid it in full, but he doubly paid it. Now I don't know how you'd describe that as a percentage, but I'd say at least it's 200% or 1,000%, whatever it is. Your sins have been doubly paid by Christ. Now, it's not the Lord. If you are burdened with your sins that keeps burdening you with that. Satan is the great accuser. He's our great adversary. And he likes to remind us of our sins. But your sins have been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. Double. May God bless you. We're glad you've been able to listen to this special podcast. We invite you to come and worship with us on a Sunday morning. Our services begin with hymn singing at 1030 a.m. Mount Carmel Primitive Baptist Church is located at 1707 Churchville Road in Bel Air, Maryland. If you've enjoyed this message, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or in your favorite podcast application.